0: have your notes. I'm going to do the last session on meditation today before we start um, a new series next week. So this is the last time I will speak on meditation. There are many other aspects that um, we won't have time to do simply because I need to be obedient to the leading of the Lord to teach other things. But um, what I'm planning to do is write a manual on meditation. It's 90% done. There are other aspects like sila. Everyone says sila. sila. You read the script. You read this phrase often in the Psalms. Sila. It literally is a musical term in staff notation. In staff notation, you know, if you read music, there's a rest. Um, and if you're playing a piece of music, you're not allowed to play any note there, right? And the rest can be for so many beats, and sometimes even for whole bars. Right, especially if you're an orchestra, those rest periods are critically important to observe so that you don't play then when somebody else is in is playing, otherwise you might conflict. And um the book of Psalms was a song book. The book of Psalms was a song book meant to be sung. So it was a musical book. So wherever the psalmist says Sila, in in music notation it was literal. A call to either rest, or it was a forte, forte, or a crescendo. For those of you with no bit of 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 music, um, well, I I can't remember exactly what the words mean, but crescendo and forte, you should know. Joy, is it loud? Loud, I know. Loud and emphatic, or loud and you really hammer the keys. And you'll see signs on the staff play loud, and in other instances, play soft. Sila was either rest, forte, or crescendo in music staff notation. So it means stop, stop, and amplify. Stop and crescendo. Stop and intensify the thought of what you are reading. Right. So you'll be reading a psalm, and uh, you'll come across Sila. It means stop and meditate. Right? Stop and amplify the thought that was just unveiled to you. Okay? So that's just for your information. Amen? Now, we started looking at case studies on meditation. And we looked at um, Isaac. We looked at Mary. We looked at Joseph. Um, in, in the previous session, okay, we looked at the meditation of Peter with his experience with Cornelius in Acts. Remember, right? And then uh, we started to look at the meditation of David, which is the current note. So I'm just going to continue uh, from that point onwards. I want to read Psalm 1, verse 3. Amen. I want to read Psalm 1 and verse 3. Let's read the entire psalm to get the context. You have it in your note. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. Last week I said to you, isn't that a good place to live? You don't walk in the path of sinners. You're not sitting with scoffers and scandalous people that pass judgment upon everybody else's life. Not sitting with the scoffers, right? And you are not um, walking in ungodly counsel or the counsel of the wicked. If you are living like that, Psalm one, verse one calls you blessed. Everyone say blessed. So blessed is the man. If you want to summarize verse one, it's a life of obedience. First one day is depicts obedience. It depicts exact representation of all that God is. Verse 2 says, but, the word but is telling you, I am now going to present to you an alternative to sitting in ungodly counsel, to sitting in the seat of scoffers, walking in ungodly counsel and standing in the way or the path of sinners. I'm going to present to you what will help you not do those things. It's a counter-culture. It's an alternative supra-culture. And the culture is this. Delight in the law of the Lord. And in His law He does meditate day and night. Right? So, what is the reason for the blessedness of the obedient man of verse 1? Why does the man not... Um, seek ungodly counsel. Why doesn't this man, not when he's the company of those who scandalize, scoff, and judge at others, not take part to that? Why does this man not walk the lifestyle of sinners? Why? Talk to me. Two reasons. Talk to me. Number one, love, 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 delight the Word of God. Love the Word of God with all of your heart. And secondly, because of your delight, you will meditate. You can't meditate upon the word that you have not developed a love for. Delight in the word is prerequisite to meditation upon the word. And so I really want to encourage you. You know, at times it might be difficult. You might feel it a drudgery. You might, you might actually find it boring to read your Bible every day. But I want to encourage you to do it. Develop a habit. Um, like you naturally eat every day. Naturally eat spiritually too. Be drawn to the Bible. Read it. Let it become the center of your life, the epicenter of your life. Let it become the thing around which your entire life is built. When you prioritize the love of the Word, you will naturally tend to meditate upon the Word. David said this in Psalm 119, which I believe he wrote also. Psalm 1 and Psalm 119 do not have any authorship appended to the psalm. We believe it to be Davidic. We believe Psalm 1 to be Davidic because the whole book of Psalms is divided into five categories. The first category is Psalm 1 to Psalm 41. They call it Book 1 of Psalms. David wrote all 41 psalms. The only psalm where his name is not appended is Psalm 1. So we believe he wrote it Because it is in with the character of Davidic writing, right? Psalm 19, remember we looked at Psalm 19 last week, right? Um, Who can quote Psalm 19? (laughs) Come on. Okay, I'll quote it, not verbatim, but loosely. Right, the heavens, it's in your notes, by the way, let's read it rather. Can somebody find it? Page 2 at the bottom, on to page 3. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. The expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day unto day they pour forth speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, the utterance to the end of the world. In them he has set or placed a tent for the sun. Which, as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, it rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and is circular to the other end. There's nothing hidden from its heat. Stop. Sila. I was to have an Sila there. Why stop? He's just completed one whole thought. The thought is look at creation, look at the heavens, they're telling forth they speaking of the glory of God, right? And then he switches to the power of the word from verses 7 onwards. He says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. Right? Stop. What has he just done? He's saying creation testifies to the glory of the Lord. But there's something more greater that reveals the the power of all that God is. It's his word. Right? It's his word. Then he says, from the onwards, he says, moreover, or rather verse 10, they are more desirable than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, everyone say moreover. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. The Bible will warn you not to sin. It says, moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in the keeping of them there is great reward. Then he makes some prayers. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me from hidden faults. Keep me back, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion or rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I will be acquitted from the great transgression. Then he quotes his famous line Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord my rock and or my strength and my and my redeemer. The Psalm of David Classic Davidic style of writing. It's very much in keeping with the style and character of Psalm one and of Psalm one hundred and nineteen. The reason why I believe David wrote Psalm 119, he makes references to king and to servant in the psalm. A person of great authority must have written Psalm 119. We presume it to be David. So when we examine David's meditation, we look at how he wrote about meditation in his psalms, or his songs, and extrapolate the principles from there. Psalm 1 is classic, right, because it depicts, let me just review before we do that, on page one, um, I just really discussed with you how meditation facilitates obedience. Psalm one, verse one, is only possible because of Psalm one, verse two. Not so. When I say that again, very important you catch this. Verse one is only possible because verse two is in place. So I will not sit in the seat of scoffers, I will not walk the path of sinners. I will not uh, uh, stand in the way or walk in ungodly counsel. Why? Because I love the word and I meditate on it. Meditation helps to not walk the ungodly path. On page 2 then, we looked at how meditation prevents sin. And we looked at Psalm 4 verse 4, which says, um, Tremble or be angry. The New King James says, Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart upon your bed. And I said to you how in your anger, you're prone to make a bad decisions. Not so? You're more prone to sin when you're angry than when you are calm. Right? Who's ever made an irrational decision in a moment of anger that you regret? Hmm? Who's ever that's why never never ever let the heat of the moment get to you now david said this he wrote Psalm four he said be angry but sin not meditate within your heart upon your bed i said to you meditation has got a softening a placating influence upon the emotions it brings you rest and it settles you how often do you stop yourself from making the biggest blunder of your life by making an irrational decision in the moment of anger. And yet, because you stopped and you thought about your actions, you ruminated and you made a completely different decision. Right? It is very, very important that you do that. Otherwise, you make decisions now that possibly could haunt you for the rest of your life, having to live with the repercussions um, thereof. Okay? So I really want to encourage you. You know that you should not be soon angered. The Bible says to not be soon angered. There's a scripture that even says, for the anger of man does not lead to the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not lead to the righteousness of God. And I want to encourage you, if there's a human emotion we must get the victory over, is anger. Because when you are angry, the emotion of your soul is predominant. So I want to encourage you, uh, be like me. (laughs) Be cool, calm, and collected. I can say in this respect, there are some respects I cannot say, but yeah, I can definitely say, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? And many of you know me for this. Many of you can corroborate what I'm saying. Um, There are situations that will very easily anger someone else. But God has taught me by His grace to remain sober, to remain even-headed, to remain balanced in the heat of the moment. And you know what? It's pointless having to let a situation throw you emotionally. Because even a volatile situation that comes your way, you're going to have to speak to or get involved with. And you don't want to remediate to solve it from the platform of being unstable emotionally. You want to approach it in absolute soberness. You might be angry or dissatisfied to some degree. But I want to encourage you, respond based upon the maturity of your spirit and not the immediate effects upon your soul. Hmm? What I'm saying is, you're not going to help the situation any the more by responding to what is simply presented to you as it is. There's sometimes there are reasons behind a thing that you have no clue of. And sometimes you simply respond And most of us will respond reflexively, not knowing the history, not knowing what makes a person function in that way. If, by God's grace, we knew the reasons why people react the way they do, we will react differently. At the end of the day, love must always rule our reactions. So the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. Okay? This is a good one for couples. Next time you argue with your wife or with your husband, simply say, Sila. Before you carry on brew, take some time to meditate. Then respond to me, uh, then let's talk about it after you've meditated. You, I'm just joking. You can, quote, you can quote Psalm 4, verse 4. Be angry, but sin not. Meditate within your heart upon your bed. So go, don't, go lie down, my husband. Go lie down, my wife. Meditate, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Who knows, maybe in that moment God will give you understanding. Amen? And then your response will be different. I'm just joking, but we need to count to 10 before we respond. Amen? Amen? Need to count to 10 before we respond. So meditation prevents sin, number on page 4. Meditation keeps you focused in times of personal attack on page 4.3. Amen? And um, we labored this point last week, I don't want to do it, but just keep your focus when people attack you personally. David said, um, um, he said this, even though, verse 23 of Psalm 119, even though princes sit and talk against me, yet your servant meditates on your statutes. Point number four, meditation leads to a life of fruitfulness. And this is where, Um, I want to just draw reference to this verse. Now, Psalm 1, verse 1 speaks of obedience. Psalm 1, verse 2, speaks of the reasons. You delight in the word and you love the word. Verse 3 starts to unpack the actual blessings that come upon the man who meditates and then obeys. It says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which healed its fruit in its season its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does he will he will prosper amen in whatever he does he will prosper what is water an image of in the bible water is an image of the word so the tree planted by the streams of water um, pictures a man who lives in close proximity to the word in close proximity to the streams of water, the rivers of water that come to you. This means for me, you must be in close proximity to your spiritual father who teaches the word to you. You must also not let this book of the Lord depart from your sight. Right? The Bible must be proximate. It must be within your heart, within your mind. You must always be under the sound of the speaking of the river of the water right the man positioned by the river of the water must be consistently under the sound of the voice of his spiritual father that speaks to him the word of the lord many people suffer drought wilderness simply because of inaccurate positioning and i want to encourage us i know this is uh sounds repetitious sounds laborious but we have to repeat a matter over and over again until it's manifest. Position yourself. I can't tell you what it's done um, just to hear Thamo so much this week. In Valcom and as well as yesterday, in two sessions um, at the business breakfast, it was just, I realized I need to be positioned by the stream of water. Right? I need to hear even same things over and over and over and over again faith comes by hearing and hearing by the by the word of the lord so empowering so encouraging okay now if you read it carefully everyone says streams it doesn't say a stream it says streams in other words it is plural right it is a stream of water at the top of page 5, Revelation chapter 1, verse 15. His feet are like the feet of fine brass, as if they were burned in a furnace. And his voice is like the sound of what? Not one, the sound of? Many, many, many waters. And in a previous session, I said to you, the sound of many waters basically refers to, listen carefully, The completeness or the composite, full, whole nature of the Word of God. It's not one stream that gives you the complete understanding. It is various streams that make the sound. Various streams make one. So it's the sound of many waters. Some people have, for example, pit doctrines. They only want to hear that truth and nothing else. Paul said to the, um, um, I think it was the Ephesian elders in Acts, he says, I have not kept back from you, but I have declared unto you the whole, everyone say whole, the whole counsel of God. Now, honest, I said that to say this, if you are going to experience, and listen to me very, very carefully, if you are going to experience level of fruitfulness such that your leaf does not wither such that whatever you do will prosper you got to listen to the entirety of all that your spiritual father says and not just one particular stream it streams of many waters i heard the sound of the voice and it's the voice within the voice it's the voice of many waters you can't like your spiritual father When he's encouraging you and dislike him when he's disciplining you it's the same voice speaking the same word your response to that will determine whether you live a life of fruitfulness or you suffer the conditions of the desert as other trees do you might easily say to me now i am positioned correctly i'm like a tree positioned by streams of living water. But you just could be well positioned, not by the volume of composite streams. You might just have located yourself by the things you like from one particular stream that appealed to you. And you cut yourself off from the stream of the voice that comes to chisel you, to craft the Christ in you, that sometimes is not so a pleasant experience. I've heard Thamo speak to us as his sons in toughness, real toughness. For some, they will walk away from it saying it's hard. But because I know it flows from a heart of love, it flows from a heart of absolute seriousness and and desire to see the purposes of God done, and people mature in Christ, we accept it. It's for our good. No discipline, the Bible says, seems pleasant for the present, but what does it say in Hebrews? But afterwards. So there's whenever you whenever you get disciplined in any respect, whenever the word of the Lord comes to chastise in any respect always distinguish what the bible says the now and the afterwards even the writer of the book of hebrews says it is not pleasant now nobody likes discipline nobody can tell me i love it bring it on well, where's the next one coming from you know you you feel provoked you feel the awkwardness you feel the shift you feel it but it's intended to do what produce a harvest everyone say fruit it is intended to produce a harvest of righteousness with, within you. So, take the encouraging word. You know what Paul said to Timothy? For the time will come when they will not endure. Sound doctrine. He said, be instant in season, out of season. He said this, teach, reprove, rebuke. Teach, reprove. This is a spiritual father talking to a spiritual son that must be a father to those that God has given him. And he's saying to Timothy, my son, preach the word, teach, reprove, and rebuke with what? With all long suffering. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Amen? Everyone says streams. streams. And do you know what happens when you prune a tree? You prune it to develop maximum or more fruits. But the pruning is not nice. No one likes pruning, eh? No one likes it. Um, I felt somewhat pruned in welcome this week. Right? The word came and it cut. There were some aspects that really chiseled away the Adamic nature in us. But you know what? You're going to have to position yourself not by the stream you like, It says, streams, the composite, full, cumulative nature of that river that flows. It's designed to bring you fruitfulness. Amen? It's designed to bring you fruitfulness. And this this thing you can find many times in the scripture. For example, Ezekiel 43 verse 2. Behold, the glory of the Lord of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like... The noise of what? Many waters. Revelation 14.2, I heard a voice from heaven as a voice of many waters. Psalm 46.4, the, there is a river whose what? So what makes this river? Many different streams. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Every stream is designed to make you glad. Even the streams that you think make you mad. Not intended to make you mad. Intended to make you glad. Tell your neighbor. Okay, let's let's prophesy. Repeat after me. All the streams. From the voice of God I hear. Vested in my spiritual father. Make me glad. Even those that discipline me. They're designed. To develop in me. A harvest of righteousness. you got to accept every stream. There is a river. Whose streams. Make glad the city. Psalm 36.8. I love this verse. They drink their full from the abundance of your house. Don Moon wrote that song. Um, I eat my fill from the abundance of your household. From this verse. They drink their full from the abundance of your house. And you give them drink of the river of your delights. Amen. Think about this. Where's the river located in context in this verse? Say, tell, tell your neighbor, the river is in the house. In the, house. Right? the river is in the house. So I really want to encourage you, take full advantage from the various streams of truth that flow forth from this house. They are all designed to bring all of us to a place of greater fruitfulness, and they are called the river Of his delights. Who delights to come to Jesus? Look forward to it. I know I'm going to start drinking. When I go to my spiritual father's forums. wherever Wherever he's at. I know I'm going to drink of. The river that flows from the house. From the voice. Amen. It's wonderful. Psalm 65, 9. You visit the earth and you cause it to overflow. You greatly end. Richard, the stream of God is what? Full it is full of water. There is no shortage. It is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. Amen? And let me just say this, brethren. We are very, very, very privileged to belong to a household um, under the spiritual fathering of Apostle Tamo Naidu. This house is literally full of water. There's no lack. There's a river of delights. The various streams of truth and doctrine that pour forth from this house is designed to make the city of God glad. You position... I want to I challenge you again. Don't position yourself around your pet favorite topic only. Embrace the entirety of all the doctrines we teach and obey them. And what you're going to see in your life is a fruitfulness coming. Amen? A fruitfulness coming like never before. God has been seriously challenging both Renee and I about our giving, right? Uh, We've been practicing giving uh, uh, 20% tithes for a while now. almost a year now. And we're seeing the blessing of the Lord in that respect in ways that consistently astound us. And I I testified a week ago or so, or or, uh, a few months ago rather, Mm -hmm. If, whenever someone blesses us with finance in whatever respect, immediately we we factor out the twenty percent tithe. The tithe we include the tithe and offering. We call it twenty percent. We factor it out. We don't even think about it as ours because it's not ours. The tithe is holy and it belongs to the Lord. First fruit is holy. It's not yours. It belongs to the. It belongs to the Lord. Don't factor into your mind that it's mine something to give away. The moment it hits your hand, it's not yours. You see, you've got to get it into your... If you say, I'm giving this... No, it's not you giving. You're simply returning that which is rightfully the... rightfully the Lord's. And I've been listening to Thamma last week and yesterday particularly about living in a culture of total dispossession. And so, uh, I really believe there's going to come a day you will not pull out your calculator to determine how much you give. It's going to be governed by the spirit of lavish giving in your heart. It's going to supersede what the Old Testament law requires. It's going to be giving in the spirit of grace that's going to go way, way, way beyond the 10% and the 2.5% that people generally use to calculate their first food offerings. It's going to supersede these things. And I want to encourage you. What I'm doing, what I'm doing right now is I'm presenting to your mind a culture where the church in the city is headed towards. Right? Before you get there, start with the calculator. Make sure there's batteries in there. Right? Start there and migrate to the to the to the next level. Amen. Migrate to the next level. And I want to encourage you. If you want to see the level of your harvest increase, it will never increase beyond the level of your current giving. Never. Bible is true. We don't give to receive. We give simply to all, obey. But Paul is right, he says, for he who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And you know, remember I said this to you a year ago. I said, I stood and I said, the volume or the quality of your harvest will never ever increase beyond the measure of your seed. It's not going to happen, right? And that's why we took a decision. Okay, if that's the case, let's trust God. So if someone blesses us with 10,000, when I go to them, I say, someone just gave us 8,000 rand. What have I done? I've I've told my mind, as as I get the information or I get the money, I tell my mind, you're only going to handle 8,000 of this money. Two is already gone, even in your mind. Amen. So everyone say mentality. Now what I'm saying is, that's another stream of emphasis of truth that's coming to us. And I want to encourage you to really trust God to live in the culture of total dispossession. Amen. Until because, uh, And you'll come to a level of harvest and fruitfulness that literally will astound you. Meditation helps us. To tweak the mind of the soul in alignment to the mind of the spirit, so that we can obey God re- reflexively. Amen. We can just do some, and God's going to cause us to give away some things, some crazy things in the months to come and the years to come. Who likes to be dry, deserty, arid, and wilder, in a wilderness? No one likes that. Eh? Who who loves this picture of? I love this picture on the screen. A tree. Position by large volume, a massive river. And that river, you know, is fed by various rivulets or streams along its course. The various streams of truth feeding it to make it uh, the massive volume of water that it is. That tree, as long as that river is full, will never go dry. Right? Now, even when the season says autumn, this leaf says, what's that? autumn not part of my experience maybe for other trees but for me by virtue of where i am i never lack by virtue of where i am positioned i will never ever come to a place of fruitlessness and i want you to declare over the house unceasing fruitfulness unceasing fruitfulness you know i don't want to just read about whatever he does prospers that, that is like a scratch record. Whatever he does prospers. That mustn't be something I read in the Bible. That must be something I live. Amen. Amen. Are, you, are you contemplating a business? Are you thinking about a new venture? Right? If you have fulfilled all the requirements attendant with someone, 1, declare unto you, whatever you do will be successful. Whatever you do will, will prosper. Amen. It will have great, great success attendant um, with it. Do you know? um, Let's just look at, just go over the next page. Right at the bottom of the page, there's a corroborating verse to Psalm 1, a powerful cross reference, and it's Jeremiah chapter 17 from verses 5 to 8. Let's read that together. It's on your screen as well, just verse 8 on your screen, but let's just read the context. Check the context before you get to verse 8. Look at verse 5. Thus says the Lord God, or the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts, underline the word trusts, trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So what is verse 5 telling us? What's verse 5 telling us? if you trust in man if your trust is not in God but you're trusting in in, in something human then you are cursed and that tantamounts to turning your heart away from the Lord if there is reliance upon human sweat and ability who does this remind you of Cain or Abel Cain Cain was a Herdsman. Not so, not a herdsman. He was a farmer, uh, a tiller of the soil. His name means I possess. Cain's name means I am nothing. Cain relied upon his own strength and ability for progress. When you do that, you function independently of God and you say, oh God, I don't need you. I can work this thing myself. The Bible says you are cursed because you trust in your own strength but it says further by doing that you turn away from the lord i want to encourage you always make god your the source for all your successes always depend on him the chapter goes on verse 6 for he will be like a bush in the desert now don't you like the picture on the screen think about what the writer is he's going to there but before he gets there he's painting the opposite picture of that so the man that trusts in his own strength works schemes and manipulation to get results independently of God is cursed, having turned his back on God. And Jeremiah says, listen carefully, he's like a bush. Think of the graphic description here. A bush, not even a tree. Doesn't you know a tree is like stately? This guy's a bush. So think of this guy like a bush in a desert. No growth. And Now this what hit this phrase hit me. He will not see when prosperity comes. Prosperity is coming. This bush can't see it, right? It's not that prosperity doesn't come; it's coming, but the bush, the man who is the bush, trusting in his own strength, cannot see it. But listen here, and this the next part is even worse. He lives. In, a stony, in stony wastes in the wilderness. And then it says, a land of salt without inhabitant." The King James says, he lives, it says like this, and this guy will inhabit even that which is uninhabitable. You know you get uninhabitable places in the earth where humans have, can't live. This cursed man can live where no one wants to live. He's so powerful. What, what, what's the idea here? He lives in total isolation. He's, and the worst thing, prosperity is coming, but it doesn't come to him. It comes, but he can't see it. Can't acknowledge it. But then, I love verse 8, verse 7. But blessed is the man who does what? Who trusts in the Lord. And whose trust is the Lord. I love the way they phrase this. eh? Your trust must not only be in God, God must be your trust. It's like David said, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. In another Psalm he said, God is my help. God is my help and my help comes from Him. I trust in Him and He is my trust. Everyone look at me. I'm telling you, God's going to call us not to live by our budgets. God's going to call us to do things whereby your trust, complete trust, has got to be only in God. It's not that He is the source or the object of your trust. He's going to have to be your trust. Otherwise, listen carefully, financially particularly, you will have a problem obeying the principles of God's word. If you're going to think, if I give this away, for example, what about tomorrow? What what you are really saying is, God, I can't obey your principle because if I do, what, a, what am I going to do after this? What you are saying is, your principles are not trustworthy enough and you, particularly you, God, are not deserving of me putting my trust in you to take care of me and my family. Right? And I want to encourage you. Um, You see, Uh, in terms of the matter in reference to finances, it really proves where your trust and your source is. And I'm calling upon the church, listen carefully, calling upon us all because God's going to cause us to make huge, huge sacrifices to live in a culture where our trust, you say, God is you. Our source is you. And the man whose trust is in God and whose trust is God is describing verse 8. Let's read it here on the screen. He will be like a Tree, this reminds you of someone. Eh? He will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots. Now, this one, I, you know, I like this picture better than the other one. I found this one. You know why? This tree is like in the water, and if you see it properly, you can't really see it. The tree has developed those thick roots, and the roots run literally on and into the stream. Hey, eh? powerful depiction. You will be like a tree. By the water that extends its roots by a stream. Are you rooted by the stream? Let me ask you, sons in the Lord, spiritual sons. Are you rooted by this stream? Or are you rootless? In other words, who would like to take that tree out? Quaid, you think you manage. Someone gives you like a chopper and says, extract that tree from where it is, the tree in the picture there. That's going to be a difficult task. I can just see those roots running very, very deep. That tree says, I found a spot that I'm not going to leave in a hurry. <laughs> you know? um, I'm constantly supplied by truth, by revelation, by a stream. And I've determined to root myself here. This is someone not easily moved. right? By a stream. And I like this. He will not fear when what comes. He will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green. He will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to heal fruit. Unceasing fruitfulness. Two things are spoken of, anxiety and fear. Eh? This, this tree, and trees depict humans. John 9, the man was blind. Remember he saw? He says, I see men as trees. So trees depict the life of humans. So, you can picture a man standing there. So, th- this man says two things happen, fear and anxiety. Caused by drought, economic drought. Do you know two things cause great fear and anxiety? That's economic pressure. Fear and anxiety. This man says, I don't fear when those two things come. Right? I don't fear, but my leaves are always green. Just quickly, what do leaves represent? On the top, the middle of page 6. Leaves does not wither. Leaves represent health to nations. Health to nations. Revelation 22 verse 1 and 2 says, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal coming down from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding fruit every month. And its leaves, the leaves of the tree, were what? For what? Were for the healing of the... So what? When we read Psalm 1, and when we read Jeremiah 17, and David said in Psalm 1, His leaf also shall not wither. And this says, His leaf is evergreen. What does this tell me? This man will be used by God because leaves speak of health. Leaves speak of wholeness. right? You can claim this on a physical level and you can claim this on a spiritual level. Amen? If you're sick, we'll pray for you. You'll we'll be healed. But also, you're going to start to trust God to live in divine health. There's something greater than healing. It's called divine health. Right? And the Bible, you know the Word says, Thy words were found, I did eat them. When you take this medicine of the Word, they are life to all who find them, and health even to all of their flesh. So you can, you can be in a state where your leaf is evergreen. Amen? Who would like to trust God for perfect divine health? It's one of the benefits that come to the man that meditates. His leaf will never grow green. Right? Um, you might have your challenges from time to time, but generally... You live in a culture of divine health. But more than physical, I really believe this is spiritual. Now, brethren, I want to encourage us. We are, we are one massive corporate tree, this house. And God has designed our leaves for the healing and the health of the, of the nations. We've got to resource the nations. Thomas said something powerful this morning. Uh, this morning we were playing, as we got up, we put on one of the DVDs from the last school. He was talking about Hebron. So while we're getting dressed, breakfasting, ready, this thing was playing loud in the house. So we were able to listen to the whole session. And he said this. I got something that really stuck with me. He said, Ephratah, Bethlehem. Everyone say Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Right? What does Bethlehem mean? What does Bethlehem mean? House of bread. Before Bethlehem was called Bethlehem, its previous name was Ephratah. Ephratah means fruitfulness. Right? Fruitfulness. So he said, the statement he made was this, the house of fruitfulness has got to become the house of bread. Right? So a house who is fruitful, who, who, who healed unceasing fruit, whose leaves are evergreen, postured for the healing of the nations, that house will be a house of bread that has got the capacity to feed nations. Amen. Um, on our way to the breakfast meeting yesterday morning, I was driving with Liam. We were driving on the beachfront going to the Ilangeni, And, the, you know, Durban Beach in the morning is wonderful, eh? It's really, please, before the summer goes, on a Saturday morning, take your family if you can. And just spend, go at least, say, off for 6 or so 6 in the morning. Spend some time there on Durban Beachfront. Go for a walk. There's bike rides, etc. Powerful. I was just so taken, awestruck. By the beauty of our of our beachfront and in the distance there was this massive the ships were all lined up and the water was ultra still it looked like a slab of concrete you know and shining and perched right at the back was this cargo liner remember this prophecy says we are like a cargo ship it was the biggest i've ever seen i've never ever seen a bigger cargo ship than that massive and god was just prophetically reminding me as i was driving i actually drew liam's attention to us, a hey, check the ship god was saying that is what you are never ever lose your capacity to heal nations never ever lose your capacity to dispense truth to people that need to hear amen i really want to encourage you learn to feed other people learn to be a blessing to others Think about your life. What impact do you have on, uh, have had on others the past few weeks in your workplace? Do you bring healing to the nations wherever you are in your workplace? What's your impact like? The man who meditates and obeys wherever you go, I promise you, God will bless you. And in, in your workplace, you're going to have a positive healing effect upon your environment. Things can go horribly wrong, but because of your presence there, God's going to bring healing wholeness and health to your context next time you go to work natasha next time you go to work tomorrow walk in there and say in your mind say according to these words i'm like a tree in this place because i'm accurately positioned by truth i'm unceasing in my fruitfulness and my leaves are evergreen i bring health and healing to my world wherever i am amen think like that you are god's healing agent And you can look what fruit represents. I won't have time to cover that now. I'm trying to finish this. Okay, five more minutes, then we will be done. Okay? And you can look, fruit can be literally the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your thoughts, the fruit of your mouth, the fruit of your hands, that's your works, and obviously your character, which is the fruit of the the Spirit. Hallelujah. High five your neighbor and say unceasing fruitfulness in 2014. Unceasing fruitfulness truthfulness in 2014 you know what i'm so encouraged by what i've heard from apostle tamo this week i'm literally now thinking that there's nothing impossible to me there's nothing whatever i do is going to prosper because i've positioned myself under the sound of a voice that that comprises many streams and uh, 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 finds expression as a river of god that brings growth to me amen the river of the lord hallelujah amen just for your encouragement at the top of page seven then we'll close i won't have time to do the others Psalm 92 verse 12 the righteous flourish everyone say flourish Flourish. don't perish say flourish don't perish right so what 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 do you opt for do you want to be the bush or the tree right don't be a bushy tree Right? The, the bush is in the desert, relying on its own strength. Prosperity comes, doesn't even see that. You know, um, Psalm 92 says, Flourish, the righteous flourish like the palm tree, and grow like the cedar of Lebanon. They are planted where? Where's the river? Come on, say it with me, church. Where's the river? In the house. In the house. Say it with me loud. In the, in the house. Say it again. In the house the river of God its delight and its abundance are in the house they flourish in the courts of our God they still bear fruit even in their old age and all the mature people said (laughs) they are ever full of sap and green I'm telling you even when I'm 90 right and I have gray hair or no hair whatever the case might be right I'm going to be full of energy, full of fruitfulness, full of life, full of the Spirit, full of truth, full of counsel, full of wisdom. By that stage, I will be a vault of wisdom, a minefield of, of fruit and life and health and healing to give to everyone within my, within my sphere. The, the song says, as you grow older, grow wiser. You should be becoming more stronger as you grow older. Okay, To declare that the The Lord is righteous, etc. Ezekiel 19.10, Your mother was like a vine in your vineyard, planted by the waters. It was fruitful, full of branches, because of the abundance of waters. Because of the abundance of waters. Amen. Um, Can I appeal to you? Stay positioned by the many streams that comprise the one river a river only found in the house of God. I heard his voice like the sound of many waters. I promise you, you obey you obey all that we've taught up to this point. It'll go well with you and you will prosper and have good and have good success. Amen. Joshua, just in closing, I'm not going to say anything because of time, but on the last page, page 8, uh, there are two appendices to this note. Please read them. There's appendix 1 and appendix 2. Right at the top, a lovely verse that I quoted earlier. God instructed Joshua to meditate in the book Day and Night, Joshua 1 8. And this is the legacy that Joshua left Israel. Joshua, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, and had known the deeds of the Lord which he had done for Israel. That's a great testimony to leave behind, not so? Don't you think? Right? It says Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and even his leadership, who survived him after he died, in their lifetime. We don't know how long this was. In their lifetime, Israel served the Lord while they were living. So I think it's a great legacy and testimony to leave to leave behind for a people. Amen. So may I encourage you who would like to leave a testimony of positive influence and impact behind when you go. I say, Lord, I want to be that man. That man who meditates and will leave this kind of legacy. Randolph, so long as he was around, (laughs) all his sons served the Lord. And even after he died, they served the Lord for generation upon generation upon generation. Amen? Have a lasting impact. Hallelujah. Everyone say a tree. Say unceasing fruitfulness. All of this comes to the man who loves the word, meditates upon the word, and obeys the word. Can we be obedient? Amen? Will you love each other unconditionally? I'm asking questions. Will you serve the Lord all the days of your life? Will you obey God and express how much you trust Him even when it's difficult? Because your trust is not in man or in things. In fact, your trust is not even in your next paycheck if you're looking forward to that, you're looking to the wrong source, your trust is in the Lord. I want to say this prophetically to us. We are going to see from this point onwards, and I'm prophesying, we are going to see uncanny supernatural provision. It's going to be unexpected. It's going to be uncanny. It's going to be from sources you you would least expect. But I want to encourage you this is the word of the lord this is a stream of truth coming to you position your tree by this truth god's going to bless you when you demonstrate to him that your trust is him and him alone amen lift up your hand father bless your sons and your daughters in your name thank you for many trees accurately positioned by the rivers of water that bring forth their fruit in its season their leaf also will not wither Whatever they do, Father, will prosper. They will not be like the bush in the desert, living where no one wants to live, living in an inhospitable, uninhabitable place, isolated away from the mainstream of what God is doing. We don't want to be like a man divorced away from where you're pouring forth your blessing. Father, position us accurately next to the large volume of truth, of revelation that you're pouring forth from the house of the Lord. We declare like David too, We will eat our fill from the abundance of your house. We eat our fill. You've set before us a banquet of truth. And so, Father, I now pray, let Psalm 1, verse 3 and 4 manifest within our lives. Whatever we do will prosper. I declare that, I believe that, in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you. Amen.